Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is an end of year Merry Christmas mashup. So the lineup is young adult fiction author Mariam L. Hooley, children's and non-fiction author Alison Tate, children's illustrator Amy Kaluti, fantasy and non-fiction author Helen Scheurer, the reluctant book marketer Jodie J. Sperling. Digital Lending Rights with me, Joanne Morell. Non-fiction author and artist, Valerie Koo. Horror writer, Pauline Yates. Non-fiction author, Peter Quarry. Author of cycling travel memoirs and young adult fiction, Stephen Herrick. Author of thrillers and non-fiction, Joanna Penn. Young adult and Christmas-themed rom-com writer, Katie Montanaro. Poet and historical fiction author, Orna Ross. And fiction and anthology author, Robin Young. So in my author adventure this past week, it is still going. I haven't shut down for the end of the year, although I am starting to round up everything. And yeah, as you've been listening to the past few episodes, setting myself up, getting in a position to set myself up better for in the future. But also I have the had the publisher, I I hate the word hat, but the publisher sort of head on these last couple of weeks getting my two non-fiction books into the formats so I can say that the ebook for freelance writing quick tips for fast success is is up and in stores and also the print book is up and in stores although I've ordered a copy just to check that the last thing that was holding it up was the fadedness of the images so now I've put that through as a color book instead of a black and white I'm hoping that's been rectified so I'm waiting on that copy also this week I uploaded the audiobook files and had to jump through a couple of hoops which I've never done before. I've never put an audiobook out. So that was a bit of a learning curve. But I had a email the other day saying it had been approved. So I'm not sure if that's up yet, but it's been approved. So fingers crossed. And now I'm starting on the author fears and how to overcome them formats. So I'm within scope for my deadline of getting these formats done before the end of the year. And I'm not dragging them into next year. So next year we'll be focused on marketing these products. I'm absolutely thrilled to announce Thorn Creative are the first official sponsors of the Hybrid Author Podcast. Thorn Creative produced my author website, which if you haven't had a look yet, head on over to hybridauthor.com.au to check it out. It has made me and my business look and feel professional, and I'm absolutely in love with it. Here's more on what they do now. Thorn Creative, where beautiful websites for authors are brought to life. No matter what stage you're at with your writing, 
Your stories deserve a dedicated space to shine. Whether you're just starting out or have a bookshelf full of bestsellers, your website is the hub of your author business, binding everything you and your books offer together. Thorn Creative can nurture all aspects of redesigning your old site or start afresh from the initial design. They can provide ongoing hosting and maintenance to marketing your books online, saving you time, money and stress trying to wrangle your site yourself. An author website built by Thorn Creative can easily direct readers to your favorite retailers, your publisher, or simply set you up to sell to them direct. The options are endless. Thorn Creative have worked with many authors across all genres and know what goes into good, functional working author websites to sell books. Head on over to thorncreative.com.au slash websites for authors to read author and publisher testimonials and to see what they offer and some of the sites they've created. Um, we need the we need people to appreciate us before we appreciate ourselves. And then, as I said, I finished it. And then when COVID hit and all this happened to me, it was and you know business wise and personally and everything. I made the decision and said to myself, look, that's it. This is going to go. This is going to be published. And whatever happens, happens. But previous to that, even before COVID, I had two offers from publishing houses overseas to buy the rights of the book. I unfortunately I refused it, although I needed the money. I refused it because they were going to change the story and it was never about money for me but it was about changing people's lives or the perspectives and I didn't want people to have a say in which direction this book was going to go yeah well tell us about the story so the olive tree is about a family it's about two girls that live in a fake town in Palestine. One is a Muslim girl, one is a Jewish girl, and it takes you on to both of their families' lives and how they fate interwines them and how they a country shrouded by segregation and segregatory and bribery, how these two girls, although from different religions, although from different backgrounds, get together and try to become the change. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion in it. It's a lot of family. It's it's a lot of a lot of lessons. And some of the story, although it's, you know, it's, it's not a real story. I myself lived through a war when I was in Lebanon um, and Israel in Lebanon got into a massive little war and we had to, to be evacuated via boats to Cyprus. And I had my son and I was 16. Images like that never, ever leave you. And war, the only thing, the only people that pay the price in war is children. It's always open to change. If you set it in stone, I feel as though you're, you're going, particularly if you are um, trying to manage a family and a day job as well, you're just going to run into trouble for yourself and you're going to put so much pressure on yourself. And the last thing I think that you need when you are trying to complete a manuscript is more pressure on you yeah. because, you know, there's already enough pressure in the process of actually writing. If you get to the end of a manuscript and you've managed to write, you know, 70,000 words in a row and they make some form of sense, then go you as far as I'm concerned <laughs> because it's not easy you know no. and, and everybody like think about the number of people that say yeah I'm so I'm totally gonna write a book one day and they never do so yeah. if you do then yeah. I, I reckon get yourself a gold star and wear it on your forehead <laughs> you've already shared so much Amy thank you so much but do you have any other tips for authors that looking to hire and work with an illustrator from your experience have you had any, if there've been yeah. any experiences you think oh gosh you know if only yeah. authors knew this <laughs> Oh, so I would just say follow them on social media, meet up at 
on Zoom, have a look at their website and look at their portfolio and they can do a similar thing. It's kind of like a big trust thing to start with. But if they know that if the illustrator knows you're genuine and you know that the illustrator is genuine because there, there are illustrators, say, on Fiverr. I've seen in some groups on Facebook that download other, <laughs> other artists' work and then try to sell it off as their own. And you're like, oh, you just have to be wary of that sort of thing. But if you if they're on Instagram, they're putting up their own original work all the time, you know that it's theirs. If they've got a bit of a track record, if they've already done two or three books, you know that they can complete work. I mean, writing series, I've got to say, do you have to be somebody who plots a lot to be able to do that? No, not at all. So it's funny you should ask that because I've actually got in the nonfiction book, How to Write a Successful Series, there's two chapters. One is for discovery writers or pantsers and the other one is for outliners. And I'm an outliner myself. And one of the things I really struggled to wrap my head around is perspective of a discovery writer. Like how do you write a series and not know what's coming? That to me, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. So in order to research and write this book, I went out and I talked to some discovery writers and sort of picked their brains about their processes. There's so, so many successful series authors who don't outline at all. And there's different methods and things that they do to combat any sort of fears that I think come naturally to an outliner like me. So for me, I, I fear the fact that I don't know what's going to happen. I might write myself into a, a plot hole. And I sort of poised that question to some of the, the authors that I interviewed and they they had a range of different things that they did to, to avoid that. One of the ones that I really liked was they sort of kept a wall of post-it notes as they wrote. And as they wrote, they would write like a scene point and put it on the wall. So they then sort of had this map this working map in real time of everything that was happening that they could then use as a reference point to make sure that they weren't in the wrong place in the book or that they hadn't written themselves into a corner, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really clever. Yeah, I thought so too. Do you feel your marketing efforts need to be planned or honed to the specific people you are trying to direct at rather than a scattergun approach? Just, hey, everybody, I'm this person. You you should be looking at the type of people you want to market your books to, which seems pretty obvious, I suppose. But (laughs) No, listen, I I love, 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 love that question because I think that there are two separate answers. Uh, The first one is actions always better than an action. So if your choice is to wait until you understand perfectly how to do what you're doing, or just do it and figure it out on the fly, I say, just do it, figure it out on the fly. Don't wait one more day. If you're listening right now and you are trying to figure out the perfect approach, stop it. You're you're going to make mistakes. Okay. Think about Apple when they released their iPhone 14, the first generation is going to come out and it's, there's going to be littered with bugs. Uh, Android is going to do the same thing when they come out with their new phone, no matter who it is, no matter how prestigious it is, Tesla is going to come out with an electric car that like shuts down after 10 miles. It doesn't matter how big the brand is. Mistakes happen because value occurs when you move, go quickly, but Yes, ultimately, you want to start to hone in on on your message. You want to figure out who you're speaking to. So figure it out while you're acting. And I think that the two things should should take place. But if I were going to put all of my value on one thing, I would put my value on just moving. The library has a system which shows how many copies they own of your book, who has borrowed it, and when the book is due back. That's the way public lending libraries work. This too is true for digital copies, ebook, and audiobooks. 
For these formats, libraries have what is called a license to purchase these files. They have to purchase or apply for a license, and a license is permission from an authority to own or use something. Like libraries buy print books from catalogues, then store the physical copies in their library, they buy ebooks and audiobooks from online distributors who store the files. Like this podcast, I pay for a hosting platform to store all my episodes which then get uploaded to the various podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. They can't just float around online, they need a place to live. For ebooks and audiobooks, this place is platforms like OneDrive, Libby and Hoopla, which Hoopla only opened up to Australia last year, and these are all US digital material distributors. Borrowbox is an Australian site, you might have heard of that one for the Australian listeners. That's the one I use for my ebooks and audiobooks as well. These sites are where public libraries use licenses to buy ebooks and audiobooks to lend to the public. I'm pretty sure it's one license per book. I spoke to a collections and purchasing librarian about this as I really wasn't sure how the system worked overall and I believe that what I'm quoting from this librarian, although it was you know from Australia and my local library, I'm assuming it's all across Australia and maybe worldwide. So in my mind libraries can only lend the amount of print books they have out but then digital files can be loaned to many users as it's a file which can be sent multiple times. Take my free author pass, which I have a landing page set up online where people visit and sign up to get this PDF file and the information that's contained in it sent to them. And as many people who sign up for it, it's there and then, and it just keeps getting sent for as many people who sign up for it. So I would say the same is for ebooks and audiobooks. But if this, and if this was to happen with ebooks and audiobook files through pub public lending libraries, then effectively authors lose money because these people are borrowing it for free rather than buying it. So as well as, um, I wanted to just touch on what you said there about mindset. That is a big one, isn't it? I, I as I said, when I left uni and went into this freelance, they don't teach you how to have like a, a business mindset leaving university or anything or you know and that's quite a big thing isn't it to realize you are in business for yourself and believing in what you're doing I suppose to do it effectively yeah, yeah. absolutely I think that also in the creative industries where whether you did it at uni or whether you're just self-taught and you are in a community of creatives it's very easy to sometimes fall into a group of people or even teachers who really uh, put forward a real poverty mindset and they give the impression that it is inevitable if you are creative and I've never believed that ever. I've always thought that if you have the right mindset and you want to make money from it, you can. Obviously, the path is different <laughs> for different people, but I've never, ever found it attractive to starve in a garret yeah. and, <laughs> you know, despite watching Love OM. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I've uh, I've never wanted that at all. And so I've always wanted to ensure that even if I'm pursuing 100% my, my creative passions, that I am doing it in such a way that I'm earning a decent living from it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, we want to do our passions, but and we want to do them all day, every day, and but we need money to survive. So we need to we need to earn an income. So that's another word, survive, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not the right mindset. It's to thrive. Thrive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there certain types of horror like classified to make you kind of feel a certain way? Like, is this a thing as in horror focused around violence, horror focused around gore or horror focused around, you know, 
just the chase or or being scared you know is it that is that the type of thing or is that more what you would call a trope or something that you would find in horror certain horrors look I think I think yes all of those you can find in horror but you'll also find the quiet horror as well and I think if you have a look at if you ask the question what is horror it's not always about a maniac chasing you with a chainsaw and everyone getting cut up into pieces (laughs) the guts of horror is emotion and usually fear. So you can have a horror story that bases on one person and their fear of dying for whatever reason. And that's the fear that they have to fight. That's their battle. I mean, the essence of any horror story is someone is fighting for their life. It's not necessarily against the chainsaw wielding maniac. It yep. could be against your own personal demons. And whether you survive that, how you survive that depends whether you can overcome, you know, that fear. Look, it was, it was a very interesting experience experience writing it because I mean I've certainly written lots of you know booklets uh, you know professional type of things but I'd never done anything like this before I think the biggest thing about writing or any creative thing is your internal critic that's saying this is no good or you know no one's going to like this no one's going to read this and what have you and I use a little trick which I recommend that I when I started this I said to myself very very clearly I am not going to try and publish this this is for me I'm just doing this as a as a kind of personal development exercise and you know, every now and then I'd have these little fantasies of the book being on the New York Times bestseller list and, you know, the T-shirts and the mugs and everything. But I tried as much as I can (laughs) to resist that temptation. And that was good because it kind of got me started. And it was really only about half or two thirds of the way through the book. When I read back what I'd written, I thought to myself, no, I do want to try and get this published because I really do believe this will help people not just to write their own memoirs, but also to help them to make sense of their own lives. Yeah. And make peace like said with the past that's incredible when you do do these talks at libraries for your cycling books who's the people that come along is it the the older generation i'm just interested yeah who who reads the ebooks i suppose yeah and that's the interesting thing in that when as i said when when i first published the first ebook i quickly discovered that as opposed to my traditional publishing books where the majority of the books were bought within australia and were bought as physical books. I found that my audience for the ebooks was pretty well, and I'm being a bit rough with the, the uh, estimates here, but it was about 60% the UK, 30% America, and 10% Australia. Now that's changed over time. It's a little bit more in Australia now, but I suddenly found I had an overseas audience which I could reach really quickly uh, because I guess, and I think it was because there was a lot of adults in the UK who wanted to go to France to ride their bike and so it was both husbands and wives buying books to try and convince their partner to go with them <laughs> because my wife went with me so why don't you come with me to yeah it? so yeah so I had a suddenly the ebook being a hybrid author gave me a whole new audience yeah. which I could never dream of having before and that's what you need to keep in mind because business creates jobs it creates all these wonderful things we have like just right now you and I sitting in front of computers and technology using technology all of this is created by businesses so we love business and we want to make money and if you feel like that you're that kind of author then you can think about okay well how do I make my writing into a business but it's definitely the very first thing it's a mindset shift but then I guess in terms of you don't need to make it a massive document. You're not writing a book. You can just have this on a one page 
you know, an a- one A4 page. And that's basically what I had for years. It's just like an A4 page with a more like a mind map idea on it. So it can be as simple as a mind map. It can be a document. Now I have, you know, longer documents. But yeah, so that, that I guess that kind of gives us a start. But the very first thing is, is a mindset shift. Do you want a business? You know, Holly Jolly Christmas really came out of last year, me really wanting to find a book that resonated with me about my own Christmas experience. But all I could find were these white Christmas romance stories, which are beautiful and I love reading them. And I read about, oh gosh, a handful of them last year. But I just wanted something that really reflected that Australian summer Christmas because it's it's so different obviously to to the white Christmas that we're all sort of conditioned to to loving at that time of year if you like you know between the the snow-covered ornaments in your shops and the the Christmas movies and all that sort of thing but I wanted something that was more my Christmas so I sort of thought about it and I sat down and over you know December of last year and January of this year I wrote down a holly jolly Christmas and it was just one of those things where I thought okay what's some fun things that could happen? What are some fun things that could go wrong on a Christmas day? What are things that are uniquely Australian? And kind of put it all put it all into a little book, something that I would like to read. And so that's sort of how I guess the book was was born. And it was a lot of fun to write. And it's really exciting now to see people reading it and having a lot of people go, wow, yeah, this is like my Christmas experience. It's so nice to read, you know, a, a Christmas story that's set in the hot summer. And so the whole idea of creative planning is that you're creating an integrated world. I represent it as a triangle and the triangle has pleasure on one side and purpose on the other and profits down at the base. And in the middle is values and the value that you offer. So at an annual planning level, we begin there. And before we even get into the pre-intention stage, before we even set our creative intentions, first of all, we look at things like your mission, which is kind of what you want to change in the world, your passion, what really gives you joy and what you really enjoy. And the two of those together give you a sense of purpose. And then we look outwardly at what brings in profit. So the values that you have internally and then the value that you're offering externally bringing those together into an integrated system. Like you, you've sort of spoke on fear before and confidence and things like that. So people who, you know, and especially in writing, we get rejected by publishers often sometimes for lots of different work. And, you know, there's personal fears and adversity and stuff for putting ourselves out there. How have you made these decisions to make things happen when you've had those feelings of of fearfulness about how things might be perceived or I mean even like you're saying with the death of your mum is, is it sort of like you know this has happened life is short I'm going to do this regardless of how I fear I've got to put myself forward you've just yeah. got to do it and and it's it's interesting because sometimes a response from people can be really interesting because that was quite a personal story um so that the first collection is really bookended as I said it's a fictional character, Sarah. She's quite young and she doesn't have children. And but as I said, writing that first short story because I just I just rang in and said I can't come to work today, and that was that. I actually printed off a copy for Mum when she was, you know, still alive, and she had it with her. She was having some treatment. Somebody there said, "Oh, can we can we get it and photocopy it?" And Mum, thank you, Mum. And she said, <laughs> "No, like th- this is this is my daughter's work, and oh. you know, she, this is actually for me. This is this is you know not to be shared." Well, it was later <laughs> because you know 
I think she wanted it to be. So there you have it, folks, the astounding and also inspiring words from a plethora of industry professionals across all genres. I hope you enjoyed the mashup and there'll be more of that next year. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, the final episode of 2022. And it's a loner sold from me reflecting on the year that's been, the year to come and sharing my experience of what went right, what went wrong and what you can expect from me in 2023. I wish you a very Merry Christmas when it comes with loved ones and plenty of books filling your stockings or under the tree. That's it from me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.